I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust, and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We cover the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about sleep. Insomnia and having trouble sleeping, having trouble falling asleep and staying asleep and waking, feeling very unrested are very common health concerns. And sleep is vital to our health. If we don't sleep, we feel really run down. We tend to get sick and we actually really need to sleep. We sleep to cleanse waste from our brains, to let the brain recover and regenerate, to consolidate our memories, and for cognitive function. We sleep to repair the body and release hormones for growth and appetite and to heal the body. So we really need sleep. And if we're not sleeping, we know how much worse everything in the world is. We are more reactive and more irritable. And so good sleep actually helps us be healthier. We concentrate better. We can learn and remember information when we have good sleep. We have better energy. We have better stamina. We have better mood. But here's the thing. Sleep science is a massive field. And trouble with sleep isn't always simple as just, you know, not sleeping. There are a lot of things that could be happening that are the reason why you're not sleeping. And this can be things like lifestyle habits and bad habits that we might have adapted or things like living in northern or really southern places that have extreme light and dark changes with the seasons and that can throw off our circadian rhythms. Or it can be having an unpredictable schedule that can change your circadian rhythm. So whether you work shift work and so, you know, a couple of weeks on you work days and then you work nights a couple of weeks, that kind of change or unpredictable uh, schedule can really affect your, your circadian rhythm. And if you tend to get up at the same time every day and go to bed at the same time every day, you have a better internal clock. And working nights and 
uh, shift work is known to lead to depression and mood disorders as well as sleep disorders. You know, sleep problems can also be caused by drugs and foods and medicines, and it can be a side effect of the hustle mentality where it's just, you know, go, go, go all the time, which leads to burnout. And then it can be other health problems that involve other body systems that affect how you sleep. And so, you know, before you start to engage in remedies to take, it's really important to remember that there can be really simple things we can we can do that can change how we sleep. You know, it's also important to, to consider sleep as part of the bigger picture. And there can be root causes to sleep problems and connections to other other health problems that we have to look at as well. And these can be things related to high stress that causes persistently high cortisol levels. And when I talk about stress, I mean things like poor nutrition, chronic illness, work pressure, life pressure, emotional trauma, physical trauma, working too much and not getting enough downtime or working shift work. It can be pollution. The environment around you can cause stress on your body. It can be infections. All of those things qualify as stress on the body and that can affect sleep. But sleep can also be caused by things like not having enough tryptophan, which is an amino acid. And tryptophan eventually synthesizes into 5-HTP, serotonin, and then eventually down the road into melatonin. That's a simple synthesis pathway there. But not having the right nutrition, the right amount of and nutrients in the body can affect those neurotransmitters. It can be caused by hyperactive thyroid, you know, that keeps you jacked up like we see in hyperthyroidism or Graves' disease. You know, sleep problems can be caused by sleep apnea where you're not getting enough oxygen. It can be caused by poor airway structures that have the same kind of effect. It can be caused by low progesterone, which can cause frequent waking. So there's so many things that can be the cause of your sleep problems. This isn't generally a one size fits all. But I think across the board, in the world we live in today, with all the technology we have, with the the hustle mentality that we have, that you have to go until you're dead, you're going to sleep when you're dead, that you have to you know, go and go and go and advance and advance and advance, get a better job, better, get a better car, get, get a better house, get a better whatever, whatever, you know, work out until you're, you're ripped. You got to be a, you know, a marathon runner and you've got to just push it through life and let's go, let's go. Like I'm stressed just thinking about it. These kinds of things affect our sleep. We don't give ourselves time to rest. You know, across the board, we need better sleep hygiene practices. And we need better stress management. And especially after this year we've had, the last year we've had in 2020, we're in 2021 now, this is especially poignant. So how do we get better sleep? Well, obviously this is a show in natural medicine, natural health, and so that is my focus. But every good holistic protocol, and I would argue any medical protocol, should also look at all of those other elements. And I believe strongly that you should not just continue on the way you're going when you have health problems and when you have sleep problems creeping up. You know, you should not just keep popping an herb or supplement or using essential oil without addressing that. I'm not saying don't use it, especially if you're under the guidance of your your doctor and your doctor's telling you you should take this, listen to your doctor. But without addressing all the other things, even if it's a natural remedy you're taking and it's a safe option, 
chronically not sleeping is a problem. And if no sleep or insomnia or sleeping troubles are a symptom of another underlying cause and you're not addressing that cause, or it's a symptom of a lifestyle that is not sustainable, then it's important to look at that. Because if you just address, you know, oh, I'm not sleeping, and then you don't look at why you're not sleeping or what you're doing that is affecting your sleep, over time, that sort of persistent behavior is going to end up causing other problems. So what I like to do is look at all the things. A holistic protocol is not very good if you only look at one element. And so I always incorporate basic sleep hygiene practices. And I think before you jump into taking stuff to help you sleep, you should start here first. You should start looking at your sleep hygiene. You know, it's like saying, I keep getting infections on my skin, but I'm never having a shower to wash my skin. You know, if you're if you're not engaging in good sleep hygiene practices, then that's a red flag right there. So what I want to see you doing is to address those things first. Let's look at better sleep hygiene practices and see if those simple lifestyle changes that you can do at home that your doctor actually is probably honestly going to tell you to try first, if those things help. So the first thing is artificial light. We've got to stay off the phone. We've got to stay at the computer, off the TV for one to two hours before bed. And we just have so much tech pollution in our lives now and our devices are portable and there's like 16 in every single room of the house and we're addicted to them and we're on them all day long. And melatonin is a hormone in our body that is responsible for our sleep-wake cycle. And that's one of the things that it does. And so it is regulated by light and darkness. So during the day when it's light out, we have less melatonin. And when, the, and when it starts to get dark, melatonin production starts to pump up a little bit. And that's what helps us get into our sleep rhythm. So if we're not getting enough daylight during the day, number one, but also if we're on our phone at night with this artificial light in our faces before we go to bed, we all do it. We're all on our phones. A lot of us are anyway, myself included. If we're doing this, this can influence the natural circadian rhythm and that can influence melatonin production. So you're, you start to pump out melatonin, but then, you know, around seven o'clock at night typically is when it starts to pump out. And you're starting to wind down, you go through this wind down process, you slip into bed, you put your phone in there, you're interrupting that process. And so it can cause trouble sleeping. So no phones in the room. Let's go back to old school reading a book. You know what I mean? The next thing is the next little tactic is to look at keeping the room cool and dark. So typically speaking, you're going to sleep better if you're not sweating and it's completely dark. You don't want it so cold that you're shivering because then that's not going to be restful either. But also remember that melatonin is influenced by light. So if you're, you have light in your room, then that can interrupt that process. So keep it dark. Some people even go so far as to block out all the lights and all the alarm clocks and other machines in the room. And that's an option as well. The third thing is to look at eating more carbs before bed. So carbohydrates can make more tryptophan available to the pineal gland where melatonin is made. And so tryptophan is that amino acid I was talking about. And that simple synthesis pathway is from tryptophan to 5-HTP, 5-HTP into serotonin, serotonin into melatonin. You know, that's a simple pathway. 
So rather than having to supplement with 5-HTP and to supplement with melatonin, one or the other, you know, adding more tryptophan-based foods into your, into your meals or upping your carbohydrate intake before bed, which can make more tryptophan available, then you can help make more tryptophan available, which might actually help you sleep better. On the other hand, if you have too much protein before bed, this can actually do the opposite and can make less tryptophan available. So that's something to think about as well. Your nutrition is incredibly important to the way that your body functions properly and optimally. So checking that out and just looking at your food can be a big help as well. The fourth thing is managing stress, which I mentioned already. If we're not taking time for ourselves, then we can't allow our body to get into its rhythms, to calm down, to settle down, the nervous system to settle down. So we need to manage stress. Stress is one of the biggest pieces of disordered sleeping that isn't related to another health condition. So if you have disordered sleeping that isn't caused by anything else, stress is one of those big pieces of that. So we've got to take time for yourself and eat a nutrient-dense diet. Get some exercise, which can help mitigate stress. Meditate, you know, connect with your friends, do yoga or some other gentle restorative exercise. Get outside in the daylight hours and go for a walk. Being in nature is so nourishing for your nervous system. Managing stress is very important. Number five, get exercise during the day. Exercise can definitely help improve sleep and some studies even say it's just as good as sleeping medication. It's also a great way to manage your stress you know, as so long as you're not overtraining because then that creates stress, physical stress on the body. Exercise, generally speaking, it's a positive stress for the body. But overtraining can actually have an opposite effect and create more stress and then we're back to the same problem. So we've got to find a balance there. Number six, less caffeine and stimulants. It's easy to get into the cycle of being tired, so then we use caffeine to wake up, but then what happens is we drink too much caffeine because we're so tired, and then all that caffeine keeps us up at night. So we kind of get into this vicious cycle, right? So we've got to cut back. Okay, so let's say you make these adjustments. But what happens if you do that and you don't really see any changes? Well, then this is where I say, okay, we can start looking at adding in some, some oils, maybe some herbs, and see if they help. But at this point, it's also going to be important then to figure out why you're having problems. If it isn't lifestyle, then what is it? This fact alone can change what herbs and oils you're using also and then can help make everything more effective. That being said, one of the ways I use herbs and oils is really in conjunction with stress management to reduce cortisol in the level and reduce the effects of stress on the body and as well use adaptogens that can help us become resistant to stress or to adapt better to stress effects on the body. So the things that I'm looking at are going to be essential oils that help lower cortisol, but also are essential oils that are nervines, which are going to help calm the nervous system and help with relaxation. So some of these essential oils are going to be things like lavender, vetiver, Roman chamomile, clary sage, bergamot, sweet orange. So those ones by themselves, clary sage, sweet orange, bergamot are not necessarily sleep oils. They're not something I would necessarily use at nighttime to help cause sleepiness. They don't tend to do that. They can actually be kind of 
activating. So they can actually feel like refreshing and you feel a bit energized. Use throughout the day. Those can help manage the stress, which can then help manage your sleep. For sleep specifically, the classic one is going to be lavender and then the vetiver Roman chamomile, but also valerian, atlas cedar, and rue oil. Those are oils that are most known for sleep and most used for sleep. So all of these essential oils are high in constituents like linalool, linalool acetate, alpha and beta hemosaline, chamazuline, valerianol, lots of sesquiterpenes and sesquiterpene alcohols. And those earthy oils like vetiver, valerian, cedar, rue, those are grounding, settling, calming. They smell like the earth. Those are the things that are going to kind of bring you back down to earth level. But research shows us they help with stress reduction, they help with anxiety reduction, and they help with sleep. So again, Lavender is really the most classic one we think of, and it's actually been studied a lot for sleep. We see that studies show us a couple different things. So we can see studies that show that essential oils with massage improve sleep quality in nurses working night shifts. We can see some studies that show combining inhaled lavender essential oil with good sleep hygiene practices improved sleep quality and patients woke up feeling refreshed better than just good sleep hygiene practices. So that combination improves sleep quality. There's lots of studies on how lavender improves the quality of sleep, and it's usually found through inhalation. So this often means you can use a diffuser and you can smell the essential oil. A diffuser is a great way to use oils at night, especially for babies and children. But we can also use it in things like the bath and we can actually put it on the body as well. So lavender was studied with moms and babies and they added lavender essential oil with carrier oil to the bath of some babies and then had a control group where other babies were just bathed without it. And the babies who had the lavender bath slept longer and cried less and the mothers of those babies also slept more and had lower levels of stress compared to the control group. So Lavender is going to be an excellent choice and when we start to combine it with valerian, for example, then we can get a stronger effect for calming and relaxation. It can especially help with mild sleep disturbances and improve the quality of sleep. You know, I feel that the diffuser is good. I have found it to be a little bit more impactful when we put it on the body. So I like to apply some to the shoulders and the neck and then with a bit of carrier oil along with say, you know, valerian rue or cedar. And then I like to put a, a drop of a blend of that, a synergy drop or two right on the pillow as well. And that can be very helpful. Some people find just lavender alone does a lot for them. As far as safety goes, rue, which is the species Ruta graviolens, should not be used during pregnancy or breastfeeding. It is phototoxic, which means if you apply it to your skin, then you need to avoid sunlight for at least 12 hours after applying it. And it can also be irritating to the skin. There are different species of rue and different chemotypes of rue. Uh, some people consider Ruta graviolens to be generally hazardous and that no one should use it. But I don't agree. I think the data don't necessarily support that. And much of those theories are based on studies that use inappropriate 
and large doses or involve ingesting large doses or our animal data, which, you know, isn't always reflective of human health. We also see lots of herbalists talk about dried root herb being dangerous as well. And so using it as an herbal supplement and that this dried herb shouldn't be used internally at all because it might cause gastric upset. Here's the thing about rue and even rue essential oil. It is used in foods and salads and cheeses and it is approved by the FDA as a food additive safe to consume. So again, it's it's doesn't the data doesn't necessarily really support that large doses are inappropriate and large doses of the herb also seem to be the culprit that cause gastric upset. So if you're going to be taking rue extract, for example, make sure you're working with an herbalist and make sure you're getting the right amount. You're not overdoing it. Just make sure you're talking to somebody who knows what they're doing so that you are taking an appropriate amount. If you take too much, just like anything, you're probably gonna have a problem. Even so, for rue essential oil, this isn't gonna be my first choice for babies and for kids under six, just because there's so many other gentle oils that you could choose that would be just as effective, like lavender or Roman chamomile. These are gentle oils that are just a better choice for, for babies and kids. We can also look at things like valerian root tinctures or supplements and passionflower tincture or supplement, uh, which could also be helpful for sleep. If you are taking anxiolytics or sedatives like barbiturates, benzodiazepines, or other sedatives, these valerian and passionflower might increase the action of those medications. So it either should be used very cautiously or avoided altogether. And so again, you need to work with a practitioner, you need to run it by your pharmacist and your doctor. Make sure everything's, you know, copacetic before you just jump into this stuff. And so the reason why this happens is because barbiturates and benzodiazepines work on the GABA receptors. So it increases the natural GABA activity in the brain, which helps calm down neuron activity and then which help can help calm you down. This is why we take these sedatives, right? Because it can help calm us down. So valerian can mimic natural GABA and it can also increase or improve GABA receptor sensitivity. And passionflower also improves receptor sensitivity also. So this is why we have to be careful if you're taking these medications, we gotta just pay attention to this interaction because we do not want to increase sedative drug action that could not be great so is that the same action with valerian essential oil it's possible but valerian essential oil doesn't actually have any contraindications and it doesn't appear to increase sedative drug action herbs and tinctures are taken internally as a dietary supplement so they have absolutely a greater chance of interacting with medication so if you're going to start ingesting valerian essential oil then and using that as a dietary supplement then that's a whole other conversation that we probably need to talk about progesterone the hormone also binds with GABA receptors and it is a hormone that calms us down and can help us sleep so if progesterone is low you might experience a lot of waking at night one of my favorite plants for low progesterone is vitex in both herb form and essential oil form 
and I kind of like the action I get from the tincture a little bit more than the essential oil, but it does depend on the person. Some people respond really well to the essential oil. So when progesterone is low, it can really cause us to have night sweats, which can keep you up at night. And it can also cause just waking up a lot. If you find just before your period, you start to wake up constantly in the middle of the night, that can be caused by low levels of progesterone. And progesterone generally, when you have healthy levels of progesterone, it's the calming hormone for women and can help sleep. So that's something to look at too. And Vitex is not for everyone. You know, not every single herb is is safe for all people all the time. Generally, it shouldn't be used by most pregnant women and it may not be appropriate for certain hormone conditions. And so we want to be careful with that as well. And so this is what I mean about getting to the root of your sleep problem. You know, we can think that, oh, I'm just not sleeping. I need to take this. Sometimes it can be as simple as I am stressed or I'm anxious or I'm worried about work or I have too much on my plate or we work night shift or we have unpredictable schedule or we just have a lot of stress, a disruption in our HPA access that can cause sleep disturbances or, you know, it could be bad habits. It could be so many different things. You know, if you've, if you've tried to sort that out and you've sorted out good sleep hygiene practices and you're still struggling, it's very important to figure out why this is happening. And that can change the supplements you use, the herbs you use, the oils you use that can really make a difference. So some of these oils are going to be very easy to use and safe to use and you can add them in to even enhance the quality of your sleep. So if you are sleeping okay, you're not waking up constantly, you don't have trouble falling asleep, but you want to wake up feeling refreshed, then by all means, add in some lavender, that can help. But again, it's very important to look at the full picture so that we have healthy lifestyle behaviors that can really promote the healthiest version of our bodies. All right, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.